this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, former Saturday Night Live star Taron Killam joins us. He's got a brand new show on Prime Video called NFL Pylon, plus a list of possible Daniel Craig replacements for the role of 007 James Bond. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, great guest today. Taryn Killam is coming up, host of NFL Pylon, uh, and a former Saturday Night Live cast member. We've talked to so many SNL people, uh, so that's coming up for you on the show. Uh, in the meantime, Sue, do you understand how the Culture Pop Podcast community works? Have you figured it out? Yeah, well, you've seen them. I've, I've been uh, posting You've been stuff. in there, yeah. Yeah. So if you are a fan of the show and a fan of pop culture, you can go to uh, the communities button on Twitter, uh, search Culture Pop Podcast, and there Sue and I and some of our closest friends will be talking about what's going on in movies and TV and awards and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's the Culture Pop Podcast community on Twitter. Yeah, it's actually fun. And, you know, I'm not as big of a Twitter poster as you are. Twitter you post poster. Them. You're a big Facebook poster. I, yeah, I, I do that more. Um, so it, it's been fun. And, uh, you know, I post a couple of questions or answered some questions that people had about yeah, shows, yeah. like what's what's cool to watch. So it's, yeah, it's fun. It's It's been fun for me. I like it. Cool. So what do you got going so, um, so they're looking for a new James Bond, which they're, they're in the hunt. Yes. Right. And, uh, Idris uh, Alba, um, he turned it down. He said that when he looks in the mirror, he doesn't see James Bond. Yeah. I see James Bond. I see James Bond. He is somebody who I could totally see playing that part. So here's a list of people that have been thrown out. Okay. And I want you to say yay or nay. Okay. As, as the next James Bond. As the By the way, which one of the interesting things, one of the reasons Idris Elba turned it down also is that it's a 12 year commitment. You, really? You're committing for 12 years and five movies, which is exactly what Daniel Craig did. 12 years and five movies. So they want there to be, cause I don't know. Did you watch the last uh, James Bond? No time to die. I uh, didn't see the whole thing. Okay. Uh, he dies. <laughs> as a spoiler alert he james bond dies at the end of no time to die so they've got to restart the whole mythology and restart the whole story with a new james bond oh okay yeah that's a huge commitment yeah it is gigantic that's a big chunk of your career so uh, who's in the running um so riz ahmed oh riz ahmed is an interesting choice i like that this guy's name, I always pronounce it wrong. So it's Red, Red, was it Reggie, uh, Jane, Jane Page, the guy from Bridgerton? Rajan Jane. No, Rajan Jane. No, no I'm mixing him up with Rajan Rondo. 
it's it's R E G E, but it's uh, Reg Reg. I think it's Reg Jean Page. Yeah. Okay. From, he was the first from Bridgerton. Season. First yeah. season. Good looking dude. Very good looking dude. I don't know. Um, no, I, no, I don't see that. I don't see that one. I don't see that as much. Um, Jonathan Bailey. Don't even know who that is. Yes, you do. He's from uh, he's from um, Bridgerton. He was in the second oh, season. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm, I don't know. Don't see him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think. Not, I don't know. You, you got, it's got to be like a manly man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I like, think, unless they're going to go in a different direction. I so, was thinking Tom Hiddleston would be good. Yeah. He, but is he on the list? He's not on the list, but someone who I think would be really, really good is Richard Madden from Game of Thrones. Oh, he would be good. You know what his problem is? Little miniature guy. He's short. Yeah. Well, James Bond is Dan- tall. Daniel Craig is he? I think tall? I think Daniel Craig is tall. He is, isn't okay. he? I don't know. Daniel Craig height. It's easy to find out. No, I think Daniel Craig is is of stature. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, no, he's five ten. So okay. Yeah. Not, he looks um, taller. Henry Golding. From oh, I like Henry Golding. He just moved into my. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Moved into my neighborhood. Okay. Well, no one knows where you live. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, Henry Golding would be great. Um, Henry Cavill is that how you say his name? Henry Cavill. Cavill. He's the guy Cavill. that played Superman. Superman. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a big Henry Cavill fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Henry Golden would be a kind of a a cool choice, I think. Too. Yeah, I think know? that'd be cool. Um, Tom Hardy. Now I'll tell you this about Tom Hardy. He just won some big jujitsu. I know. I read tournament. about that. I mean, he would be great. He's a badass. He's British. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's one of the rules. James Bond, regardless of race or creed or, uh, you know, woman, man, whatever, got to be British. Yes. James Bond must be British. Yes, I agree. So he um, fits the bill. Tom Hardy would be great. That's my first choice. Tom Hardy. Okay. Tom Holland. Tom Holland is too young. He's too young. He's a boy. He'd be boy Bond. Yeah, boy Bond. Son of Bond. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too young. Too He's young. Spidey. He's too Spidey. Yeah. Um, Dev Patel. Don't see that at all. I don't see it. Um, I love Dev Patel. I do too. Yeah, but I don't see him as James but Bond. But not for that. And Matt Smith. Oh, from uh, House of the Dragon. Yeah, but I don't. I don't see that either. Yeah, yeah, I don't see that. Okay. He's a badass in House of the Dragon, you got to admit. Well, yeah, I saw the first episode and he's very evil. Yeah, he is. He's one of the bad guys. One of the bad guys for sure. All right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We've been waiting on this for a very long time. I was kind of sorry to see Idris Elba remove his name from contention, but it is a gigantic career commitment. So I kind of get it. And they actually threw in a couple of women. James Bond is not a woman. It's yeah, it's not a woman, and it, so it was Lashana Lynch. I okay, I think she played uh, 007 in the last one. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. They, they, yes. in uh, No Time to Die. No Time to Die, and then um, Emily Blunt. Like, come Emily on, Emily Blunt is. Oh, come on, what, Emily what are Blunt. You talking about just nonsense. And and again, it should not be a woman, and that would be. That would ruin the franchise, I think. Completely um, agree. Completely agree. All right. There you have it. There's your uh, James Bond. I have a feeling the conversation isn't over, but Tom Hardy would be my first choice. Who would be yours? Um, I, I actually like Richard Madden. I think he would be really great. Richard Madden from uh, Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our guest today is an actor, comedian, a 
and writer. He was a regular on Saturday Night Live from 2010 to 2016. TV work includes iCarly, Ryan Murphy's Impeachment, New Girl, Mr. Mayor. He starred as King George III in Hamilton. His new project is called NFL Pylon. It is airing Wednesdays on Prime Video. Taryn Killam joins us. Taryn, thank you very much for doing this, man. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for making time for me. So the first question is an obvious one. <laughs> Whose house? Ram's house. There you go. Thank you. Thank oh, it's you. not a three-parter. Okay, great. great, great. <laughs> no, exactly. Just one part. Just one <laughs> okay, part. Okay, great. Uh, you're a huge Rams fan. I see you on the on the big board at SoFi Stadium and you're Whose House in it. I actually got to Whose House one time. Uh, but we lost the game. So Kevin Demoff says, under <laughs> no never circumstances, back now. <laughs> am I allowed to do it again? Did you grow up a Rams fan? I did not. I, I grew up in Los Angeles. I, I grew up uh, proud of sort of my hometown of Los Angeles. I, you know, born in Culver City and lived in the South Bay. Then we moved to Big Bear, then back to the South Bay. So I grew up in and around Los Angeles, loving football but for most of my life without a team, right? There was no team in Los Angeles for 23 years. By the time I was like end of high school into college, had made like a, a sacred vow to myself that whatever team we get in, in my lifetime, I'm all in on. I want to be all in on the new Los Angeles, whoever it is. And for a while, it looked like it could have been the Jaguars, you know, is there was all sorts of whispers of, uh, you know, whispers from the East. But um, <laughs> when it was the Rams, it was exciting because obviously they'd had a relationship with the city before. Um, but I just knew it was the opportunity to get in, you know, kind of in a new chapter of an NFL team. That's just that is a rare opportunity, let alone one that's going to build the best current sports facility in the world. Yep. In which they won a Super Bowl championship five, six years into their return. You know, it's it's been it's been really awesome, really fun. So the city came first, the passion for football second, and then eventually the the team came. So when you're like super super fan, you wear a hat, you wear the jersey. Um, I have underwear I, and socks. Uh, <laughs> underwear and socks. Um, a jock maybe. Yeah, I should. I should. There's should been a few a instances, you know, coming up and down the stairs. They have that railing there. You slip on some spilled nachos. It's good advice. Um, I I am much more uh, a baseball fan than I am a football fan, and I am a diehard Met fan. So when the Mets okay. lose, it can ruin my day. I mean, I am so I'm in, I'm pissed off. Yes. Are you like that? With the I relate to this very well. I relate. I live in a household uh, with three other women. One I married, two I made, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, despite my best efforts, none of them have been bitten by the sports bug, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I just took I just took my seven year old uh, uh, to the most to the most recent game uh, against the Falcons, and you know we we made it to halftime, and, and then she's like, "Can we go?" And I said. If we leave right now, we can rush home. My daddy gets to watch the rest of the game. You can't interrupt me. Um, so that's sort of the dynamic of my household. It used to be much worse when they when they lost. I'd go into a funk and I'd like, you know, troll the opposing team online and, <laughs> and stuff. But now, now I've I've I'm trying to better myself as a as a human, as a partner, as a father. So I I now I just repress it and just push it down inside but it's still there it's it 
and and the only uh, way you can tell now or or sort of the only indicator now is if I lose, I'm just sort of very still and quiet, you know, and I'm really trying to do the internal work. But when I win, I am the nicest, happiest guy in my entire neighborhood. I'm like, let's go for a walk. Let's go smell the flowers. Life is great. The Rams had a shutout. I was I was home one day watching a Met game and the windows were open and my I'm very good friends with the neighbors who live across the street and um I do not have any children and I must have yelled like fuck like a million times <laughs> my girlfriend actually called me up and said are you are you okay like what's going on over <laughs> amazing. there amazing <laughs> amazing yeah I you know what so so I mean to to that point like we won by a safety that we gave away this last game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But when, when, um, a, a, like after that, the six, the six second, they still had six seconds. Like it's, they still could have done something and they didn't. Like when they missed that, I think it was like a, a missed throw or something. The way I jumped, I leapt up from the couch and I slammed my chest like yes. I'd accomplished anything. <laughs> and I literally had red marks till like, the game was Sunday till Tuesday. You could see that, like, what is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? We are let not me, let me tell participants you. in this. So, so my shrink. Uh, yeah, please, I, please. Oh, no, my shrink. Now so, you're bringing your shrink into the so, so I've talked to my shrink about this, because when the Dodgers go down, when the Rams go down, I just, like, fall apart. Yeah. And I cannot pick myself back up. Yes. And he says what I'm doing is I'm personalizing it. Right. So when the Rams lose, I feel like I have lost, but I yes. am unable to make that particular break. I'm not as well adjusted as you are where you get really, really calm and quiet. I do not get <laughs> calm and quiet. My dog, Sophie and Fredo climb under the bed and just hang on for dear and life. <laughs> if the Rams are not doing well, he's so angry again. So yeah, I've actually yeah. talked to my shrink about exactly this. Yeah, that's hilarious. That the week one, week one season opener against the Bills coincided with my 10 year wedding anniversary. It was our wedding anniversary. Wow. <laughs> and my saint of a wife, not New Orleans saints, don't you dare. My actual literal heavenly saint of a wife was like, of course we'll go. And I was like, you know, I'm excited, but also the team's asked me to do some stuff and I've got this new show on Prime that I'm do shooting promotional stuff for on the field. She's like, okay, okay, okay. But I did surprise her and we left at the end of the third quarter and I had a picnic packed for us and we went and we had like a nighttime Aww. picnic in the hills of Malibu which was really nice but when I left we were also only down by seven and I left very hopeful <laughs> at the end of our picnic I waited till we were back in the car and I checked my phone and it was 31 10 <laughs> I said I Kobe I think we should start seeing other people <laughs> you know that that particular game um I I was a double loser. I got COVID that night too. So oh, not only no. did we did we get crushed by Buffalo, but oh, I got COVID. No. So I was like taking two L's on on Jiminy. one night. You probably got are, it from a Bills fan too, who got it from a table that they broke earlier that day. So are you now? Were you at that game? You were at I, that game. I was there. Yeah, I was there all the way, literally till like 30 seconds before the end of the third quarter. And I was like, it's competitive. The first half was very competitive. I I had very little to worry about that first half. And then we just then we just got bowled over in the second half. I'll I mean, tell Josh you what, Allen 
is we were line. doing backer who throws well, you know, like yeah. that's crazy. We were He's doing amazing. well till Ozzy Osbourne saying that fucker really. Yeah, Ozzy <laughs> rose from the stage, <laughs> lip synced two songs, and then was lowered back in. <laughs> you never saw him move his legs. It, it, it could have been a Madame Tussauds wax figurine. And and you know what was crazy is that I was watching the game at home, and you just saw him singing in the background. Yeah, at, at home. It, like it, it was it was like, well, how come they're not showing him? He's 82, 84 years mm-hmm. old, something like that. <laughs> if I have the privilege to be that old and have a stadium of people be willing to watch me do anything, I will be truly the luckiest man on earth. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So NFL pylon watched the first two weeks. Uh, really, really funny. Is the thank you. Is the concept sort did it start on the basis of kind of like what talk soup used to do? Is that yeah. kind of where you started? You know what I you know what I'm noticing is like is is everybody who's pitching it chooses their favorite sort of like late night talk variety show and then applies about football. Um like for me it was last week tonight, but for football. And and certainly I think the I think uh Spoon, uh the executive who came over from NFL Fox Sundays and was producing comedy for them when prime purchased the Thursday night football rights, he kind of came over as their chief creative executive. He talked about doing the soup, but for football, the, the kind of cool thing that we really haven't even scratched the surface of in these first two episodes is we are an official production of NFL films. Like, Mm -hmm. like we are, you know, (laughs) <laughs> like big brother is has given us the thumbs up and is helping us make it happen so we have access to all their archives of nfl films not just from this season from since they started filming football stuff wow. like and we uh, we can't even wrap our heads around it like we can go back to like joe namath looking for a towel footage because they have this search engine where you put in joe namath towel and it'll pull up the clips that quickly so it's pretty overwhelming and cool it also came with a little pressure because it's like all right nfl is like in bed with us are we going to get away with kind of like cracking wise about things that that they normally haven't in the past and i'll be honest like two weeks in we haven't heard a ble- like they're like yeah yeah no that's what we hired you to do is is make fun and and we also in turn like we're coming at it as true fans like i am a true fan chris peasy our showrunner is a hardcore football eagles fan bennett weber head writer hardcore jaguars fan sarah tiana falcons fan so like we know what we're talking about and we know the joy of being a fan. Like that's the approach. We're not like, let's attack the corporate policies of the NFL. We don't, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? That's not <laughs> our job and kind of not that funny, quite honestly, when you get into the weeds on that. Um, so, so we're in a good spot because we're always going to try to punch up. Like you want to try to take a shot at Brady because no matter how, no matter what joke you make about Tom Brady, all he has to do is like name a stat of his and you go like yeah no you're right you're better than everybody <laughs> yeah. yeah so so we're kind of finding this right pocket like i'm telling people what we hope to achieve is that when you watch it it feels like you're watching the game with your friends cracking jokes laughing enjoying the weird obscure things that are happening with a fan in the, in the stands but for me my friends happen to be professional comedians who are also paid to be on the show so like like that's the energy we're going for but um but it's for two weeks in it's it's only been fun so far and we really again we really haven't like we have a huge page of potential sketches bits things we want to do and and you know we only have 30 minutes 30 minutes for which i'm very grateful now do they give you they give you a lot of notes no 
That's the thing. Wow. No, so we are, they don't, they, they've been so supportive. So Jason Weber, who is, is kind of our executive, he's, he's like co-showrunner with PZ. He's working out of NFL films in New Jersey, their headquarters there. So that's where all the tech is. That's where all the, the video is edited together. And, and they're just like, what do you need? Tell us what you need. And if anything, they're bringing us material. Like, is this worth making fun of and way more often than not it's like yeah that's awesome thank you guys what a gift so it's been really cool it's been really fun and 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 you know the sort of mischievous improv sketch comedian in me hopes we are able to approach a line where maybe somebody has to go like hey 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 try to steer away from that because then we'll know our boundaries a little bit Mm -hmm. but again like the point of view is not a takedown of football it's a celebration of it because we're all such fans and we love it but also, if you're Fred Warner, the linebacker from the 49ers who tackled his own teammate five times on Sunday, <laughs> we're going to roast you for it. <laughs> so, uh, actually, totally random. How's your fantasy team? Which one? Uh, <laughs> oh, how many leagues are you in? I'm in three leagues. I'm in three lost roster leagues. And then Saratiana has like a, like a, a pick them league, like team to team, like pick the team who's going to win kind of week by week. I'm doing okay in that. I'm doing all right in the league that I'm the commissioner of, uh, interestingly enough. And then <laughs> I'm kind of eating, you know what, in the other two. It's yeah, been, it's yeah. been a little rough. Yeah. How about you? Uh, you know, so I have, uh, last year I do a show for ESPN every day. And so we're making stupid bets all the time. Uh, last year, the bet was if I finished in last place, uh, in our fantasy football league, I had to shave, uh, an eyebrow, which I did, uh, <laughs> this year, if I finish last, I have to get last place mace tattooed on my ass live during the show. <laughs> So oh my God. The, the stakes are very, very high. Now, this is the, exceptional. The this good is news is I'm off to a 2 and 0 start. Off to okay, a 2 and 0 start. Okay. All right. Thank all God. Right. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I like thinking like you made that bet after like drafting Stefan Diggs or Cooper Cup or whatever. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. I'll burn myself alive if I lose having Josh <laughs> Allen as my quarterback and Cooper Cup as my wide receiver. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> So um, is the writer's room really active? I mean, are there a lot of people in there spitballing stuff? Yeah, it's a quick turnaround. You know what I mean? Because we're so, you know, we we go live. It's live 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Prime Wednesday because uh, sort of the way that this came up from a business standpoint is like when, when Prime Video purchase rights for Thursday Night Football, they're also like, we also want to partner with NFL to create some content to either like tease it or, or, you know, promote it. So we fall in that category. So we're live Wednesday at 7 PM. We film that morning and then we're watching the Thursday night game. We're watching all day, Sunday, sometimes Saturday, and then Monday night as well. So it's a fast turnaround, but, but that's where sort of my, you know, Saturday night live experience comes in, 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 into play. And, and a lot of the writers have written for the ESPYs and have done a lot of sports comedy stuff before. So, um, every single person, you know, we have a smaller writing staff. I think there's five of us or something, five or six, but every single one is first and foremost, a football fan. And then happens to be funny on top of that. So like Monday we get together, we talk about what are the things we want to talk about? We're still really kind of evolving and developing the structure of the show right now. It's like act one, two, and three, but not everything, not every kind of um, segment we do has landed in the same act week to week. So far, I think we're trying to kind of 
tighten the reins on that, but it's like, we'll do a monologue. We'll do a group chat. We'll do hopefully anywhere from two to three sketches or pre-taped things. Then we'll maybe we'll have a special guest who's a fan of a team that's playing on Thursday night so we can help promote that. Um, yeah, so last night I think you had Joe Manganiello on. Who's yeah, we had a yeah, big Steelers guy, big fan. Yeah, he was perfect. We had Jerry Jerry O'Connell, who's a huge Chargers fan, week one. Um, I didn't even yeah, know that like, existed, a Chargers I fan. I know. <laughs> we dug deep. We dug real deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently people like the Carson Chargers. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so how much... Um, how much uh, uh, leeway did they give you as far as putting together like writing staff? Were, were you pretty much in charge of that? And, and, and then the comedians that hang out with you in the chat, is that all people that you chose? It's a real collaboration. Like when I came on board, this was sort of the brainchild. Um, Spoon, uh, our prime executive, it, he, I think he kind of pitched the one line and then he brought in uh, Chris Peasy, who he'd worked with at, at NFL on Fox Sundays, and then Jason Weber from NFL Films. Peasy and Jason really developed the outline of the show, the title, the thing. Um, and that's when they reached out to me. They reached out to Sarah Tiana, who's a co-host with me and and, and uh, uh, she's like a supervising writer on it. She's brilliant. And I've, I've known her for a few years now and I've seen her, I've seen her destroy at stand-up in a 20,000 seat stadium it was mm. it's crazy she's the funniest she and and knows more about football probably than anybody on the staff quite honestly um so in terms of like assembling the team once i was on board i was able to help shape it and suggest some names mm -hmm. and like four guests for our panel or special guests like i definitely will pitch names and help out where i can but mm -hmm. it's it's really a team effort everybody's trying to trying to we want to put on the best show possible you know Mm -hmm. So uh, we mentioned your comedy roots Saturday Night Live, um, and we've talked to so many former cast members and writers and going back years. I mean, we've had Lorraine Newman on the show, like awesome. the originals we've had. on. Awesome. OG, uh, not ready for primetime players. That's so cool. Exactly. So what was when you got your audition and you're in that studio with Lauren? Do you remember what exactly you did as an audition? Only every single moment of it. Oh, okay, uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember, so, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll jump ahead. I had to audition, like, in that official capacity where you stand on the stage where the host does the monologue. I had to do that three times. Twice, mm. one before one season, didn't get the job, and then they brought me back a third time, and that's when I got it. But I even remember, I came from the Groundlings Theater, same as Lorraine, and... The Sunday company show, I was in the like kind of junior company, the Sunday company, and we were performing and I come back at intermission and they wrote, by the way, Lauren Michaels was on, was in the audience tonight. And like, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate like the bulletin board in a comedy theater is is rife for pranks and dumb, <laughs> stupid, idiotic things. So I laughed it off as a bit like, ha ha ha. And I was like, no, 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 he was out there. So, you know, for, for like my way into comedy was a, a little backdoorish, quite honestly, in that I started as like an actor. I went to college for musical theater, but I was I always loved comedy. I was always loud and obnoxious and a smart ass and a pretty good mimic, too. Like I was always impressions were always sort of a strength. And I auditioned for Mad TV when I was 19 and got it. 
Wow. And that was a fluke. And I even remember like the TV guide article that said like comedians, Bobby Lee and Taryn Killam have joined the cat. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I am an actor. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that year I did Mad TV. I was like, oh no, I do love this format. I do. I, I'm, I've, can't remember a time I wasn't aware of Saturday Night Live and and Jim Carrey was my hero. And so then I went back and started taking classes at Groundlings, right? And and SNL became the goal. So that night when they said Lauren was in the audience, like the ground opened up and swallowed me. And I was just like tunnel vision from that moment on of like, constantly listening to Eminem's eight mile, like lose yourself and going like, <laughs> this is your one shot, you know? Um, and so that for that first audition, it, it was honestly like the first audition, the opportunity to to hear from SNL, like, we like your stuff. We think your your it's your your talent is worthwhile for this show. We wanted we wanted you to give you the chance to prove it. Was a celebration. It was like, no matter what happens, I'm leaving it on the stage. This has been the goal for a decade. I get to be in the space. I get to shake Lauren Michaels' hand. I get to. I ran into John Lutz in the bathroom, who's like one of the all-time <laughs> great writers, who told me just have fun, and I was like, I will. Um, <laughs> and so that first audition was really a party, and all of the best material. You know, five to seven minutes of the best material I developed as a comedian from age nineteen to twenty-seven, twenty-eight when when I auditioned, and then they call. Like oh, literally a week after that, and they go like, they like you, they're interested, they want to see five completely new minutes. <laughs> and so it's like, oh no, <laughs> now, now it's real. Now it's in the running. Now it feels a little bit more like mine to lose as opposed to mine to to get to win. And I have to show them everything I cut out of the audition because I didn't think it was funny enough. <laughs> so <laughs> here's my B material. Um, and and like and and yeah, and they said like. After that, when they're like, it's not going to happen this year, but you're on our radar. And I took that with a grain of salt of like, great, but who knows? But then I also like kind of saved a portion of my brain towards like, let's focus on material that you feel would play well in that environment for the next year. So with that third audition, I was I was really ready. And I, I do feel like that third one was by far my strongest of the three. How soon after the first and second audition did you go back? It was like in the span of two weeks. It was really fast. It was really, really fast. And Lorne had come to see Nassim Pedrad, who who I've known since college. We went to UCLA together. And she had done a one-woman show that I think Tina Fey had seen or somebody that knew Tina saw and recommended Nassim to Lorne. So that's why he came to the show. And then he brought like four of us out. And then Nassim, after the second audition, went to meet with him. So I got to kind of like live vicariously through her and hear about her experience. Um, and then, yeah, and then kind of radio silence for, you know, for a year. And then that time I went from the junior company to the main company in Groundlings. And then, yeah, they, they really kind of just called out of the blue the following August or whatever it was. Did any uh, of, did any, ahead, just, did any of the characters that you presented that they really loved, uh, that you loved, your A material, yeah. did they make it to the show when you finally got the show? Yes. Yeah. So the first sketch I ever got on air that I like co-wrote with, with writers there was like a version of the sketch I'd done at Groundlings that Lauren had seen that first night. And it was, it, we just called it French dance. And then on SNL it became Le Jeune du Paris. Um, and it was just sort of my <laughs> bastardized version of like, what would a CW version, uh, like a CW show look like on French teen television? Because my wife, Kobe, had found this like 
CD at a Starbucks of like French pop music. And there's this pop artist named Camille who did this catchy dance song, but all the percussion are like her making fart noises with her mouth. And I was like, the French are weird, man. The French, the French, the French love Jerry Lewis and like love having mistresses and still smoke cigarettes. They're weird. So what would the absurd teen drama look like and that's what those those sketches were based around so that was there um a, a sketch i did with justin bieber of like an overprotective over bro- older brother who's hyper insecure so he make, makes it really hard on the, on the younger brother that's something i'd done at groundlings that i think i did in one of the auditions and yeah and then certainly a bunch of impressions too so everybody we talk to says it's just like unbelievably competitive at uh saturday night live like we talked to alan Zweibel, who's a great writer um, yeah, and great. he he bonded with Gilda. Uh, Gilda, Gilda Radner. She found him hiding behind a bush and was <laughs> behind a plant. And was there like, you go. Do you want to write with me? Yeah. So did you create that kind of alliance when you were doing Saturday Night Live? Um, no, actually. And and maybe to my detriment, but I'm such a, I'm such a contrarian kind of in that way <laughs> where I'm like, don't define me. You, no one's seen anything like me. I'm going to be a friend to everyone. I'm going to write with everyone. I'm going to be Switzerland, the Switzerland of the 17th floor. And I do think in some ways I accomplished that. But in hindsight, I also understand the value of finding your your weekly go-to, which I, I found bursts of, but also like... What would happen is I would find that and then the writer moved on to like a new gate, like moved to LA to join a sitcom or what, you know, so... In terms of that consistent like writing team, no, but there were definitely writers that I wrote a lot with and that I loved writing with. Like Rob Klein was a writer who helped me with the French dance. Um, he helped me with this animatronic thing uh, called Maryville Brothers. Like he, like a lot of my favorite sketches. Uh, Vanessa and I did a sketch called J-Pop America Fun Time Now with a writer America Sawyer who we loved to work with. So I didn't, I didn't do that sort of traditional thing like like hater and john mulaney like found each other very quickly and that kind of became a standing appointment and it and it paid off obviously um i never quite had that but um but but uh, but the cliche exists for a reason certainly were there characters that you created that you love that didn't that never made it to the show um yeah, there's a bunch. It's like a bunch from me, a bunch from like other cat. Like I almost remember other people's characters that they did that never made it. Like Jay Farrow had this one. This guy was just <laughs> the simplest, dumbest character. Is like um, he worked at a Long John Silver and he could not get people's orders right. He's like, God dang, I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry. God dang. And they're like, I wanted two fries. And then it's just a stack of sodas. He's like, ah, God, I'm sorry. Look, that's me. I'm sorry. It was just the simplest, dumbest game, but it always made me laugh. There was the one sketch that, uh, that like, well, no, not one sketch. There's many, but the sketch that I loved, that was something I'd done at, at Groundlings that, that made it to dress, but never to air was, do you know who Murray Head is by chance? Murray, Murray Head. It, he had he had he was um, a, a, a a musician and actor one night in bangkok is that exactly the guy that's right so oh, one, yeah. his his song one night in bangkok which is from the musical chess and it's like bangkok oriental city but the city don't know what they're gonna you know one night in <laughs> bangkok makes the heart that's such a weird song i love weird. I, like that's how i connected things i go like why did someone do that? What is happening? And can we satirize it? Um, so I did a talk show, Murray Head, chatting late with Murray Head. 
<laughs> well, what you learned about Murray Head is that he didn't write the song that way. That's just how he always talks about everything. <laughs> so his monologue is, Hello, my name is Murray Head, and can you believe it? Got a very fun talk show. Please welcome my guest, Matt Damon. He's a very famous actor. You're going to love his stuff. They're like, what is wrong with you? What is it? Oh, wait, is that is this that song from the 80s? You know, and like, we're confused and befuddled. Why are you? Oh, do you just talk that way? And so, yeah, I loved it. And, and you could always tell that you'd done something special when like the crew in 8h remembered it because mm -hmm. they've seen everything in a way like the crew are the ones that that could and should be writing the material because they have to sit through all the garbage that's been in there and and like that's maybe where lorne is is most loyal and ken among who's who's a producer who's basically the unit production manager on the show and has been for years they're crazy loyal to their crew so there's people who have been there decades you know and it's pretty amazing but chatting late with murray head like the cue card guys especially one. were like that one that one stuck with us that one should have made it so so you was, were in uh impeachment uh the uh, ryan murphy series yeah um, and you played paula jones husband i actually want yeah. to ask you about your wife sure sure please you, yeah who did like the most dead-on and Coulter impression did, Wasn't did she great did she practice that in the mirror did she was that a natural how did that work she so it was it was supposed to be another actress for a long time you know like i like that was supposed to shoot march of 2020 and did you guys hear about the pandemic yeah i i got okay. a note about okay. it yeah. a little yeah. bit Got it. That internal email. Yeah. <laughs> so it delayed production like nine months or something like that. And I think the actress who had to do it had moved on to another project and it conflicted. And I had already been cast. And then Kobe was like, they've reached out to see if I want to read for Ann Coulter. And she's like, no effing way. I don't want to be associated <laughs> with that woman. I don't want to live in that headspace. I want nothing to do with it. And I was like, I hear you. And then I was on set and the producers came up and they're like, you know, we, we just wanted to say to you, like, no, you know, I hope that we're not crossing lines, but we're very serious about Kobe. We're very interested in her and we would love to. And I was like, I know, I think she just doesn't feel good about connecting to that human because it's a real person. And they're like, yeah, but isn't that a great challenge for an actress? And I was like, that's a very good sell, very good sell. <laughs> but what happened was they started offering it to her in October, something like that. And then the election happened in November and Biden mm. won. Yeah, <laughs> I think, right. I think suddenly Kobe like could breathe a sigh of relief and was like, okay, the world is not truly, truly doomed. Now I can lean more into the acting challenge of it. That being said, she went on tape, they gave it to her for, you know, four weeks i would walk by her office and just hear her listening to ann coulter's books on tape <laughs> and just the most horribly offensive ignorant hate-filled quotes of like and that's because mexicans are incapable of empathy you know you know you're just like what you, are you could doing? you could have played her and she <laughs> no kobe nail i mean that's the thing is like ann coulter should be so lucky in my opinion but kobe she nailed it she really did a great job I paneled with Ann Coulter on a show, um, and I originally said, I don't think I can panel with Ann yeah. Coulter. I don't know what she's going to be like, and I, you know, horrible. You know what? She was completely normal. She was just sure. like a normal person that flips a switch and becomes this other sure. thing, but she was like a regular normal person. But is that more admirable? Yes. I don't I'm, know. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the that's the issue. It's like, oh, so now you don't even have <laughs> conviction. Now you're yes. just capitalizing for monetary gain. And in some ways, 
maybe that's more despicable because speaking of SNL writers, like she, she would be around James Downey, who's like probably the most prolific SNL writer ever. The first head writer for Letterman show. Um, this kind of like pals with her, you know what I mean? Like he'd bring her and they'd have dinner and like, cause, cause she is very funny. She has like a, she has a very good sense of timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say sense of humor because I think, I think there's a, if you really believe, if you really have that point of view, which I so strongly disagree with, at least I go like, listen, you came from a different background. You came from a different outlook on life and let's try to find middle ground. Let's compromise. But for her, it's a facade. It's like a trait or it is. And maybe she does, but she amps it up for, for career gain. And yes, honestly, I'm probably also describing every politician who ever lived. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But I don't know. I don't know if you are that sharp. And if you, if you do know better, if you do know better and you choose anyway, in some ways I have even less respect for that. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of the, a lot of the people that follow that model, um, and we don't really talk a lot of politics on this show at all into it. You guys, (laughs) Yeah, let's get into it. But even, but even like, you know, like you think of Tucker Carlson and, and guys like that, they're not actual legitimate journalists. You know, they're not reporters. They're entertainment people. And I, I have a couple of friends that actually think that he's entertaining. And I said, no, I think he's dangerous. Yes. He's not entertaining. And if it is entertainment, what he's doing is really, really horrible. Harmful. Harmful. You're right. Because, because yes, uh, if you're in the biz or if you have any connection, if you do a panel with them, you can, you can separate, right? You go, okay, I see they're doing a thing. But what they're making money off of, who they're entertaining, don't make that distinction. They take it as fact. They take it as, as you know, that that's the line, right? That's the line. Yeah, that's the way to look at things. And, and I'm, I, you know, again, I'm sorry. I know that this is supposed to be sports and fun. But, like, right now, there is such a division between one political party that for the most part is like might make you pay more money might have but is looking out for everyone equal like wants to help equally wants to give opportunity and another side who doesn't want to give away anything and is only out for themselves and if anything has no problem with causing harm or damage or or trauma and tragedy to others as long as it doesn't affect them right and i just don't i think you know we're so lucky to be alive (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Guys, we're going heavy. We're going heavy, but we're so lucky to be alive. Like that—that that is a miracle. It's miraculous. It's the—the the odds are stacked against us. So to not, yes, take care of yourself. Yes, take care of your own. Yes, look out for your people. But like, if you're going out of your way to take away or limit others, like, I—I I will never see eye to eye with you. Yeah. And then if you're using that stance to make money, to profit, to make a bigger house and a fancier car, then I really, I really have no time for you, but my wife will do a wonderful impression of you. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) So you, you mentioned you're an actor um, and you actually got to be on Broadway as uh, King George the third in Hamilton. Was that like the culmination of a a lifetime dream for you to be on Broadway? It literally was so full circle. I mean, having said like I started going for musical theater and then I get to leave SNL, which is like arguably the hottest ticket in New York for the only place that has a hotter ticket, Hamilton. (laughs) Uh, Like it was, and such a positive work environment. Everybody was so proud 
to be a part of that show. Everybody was so proud to make it. Everyone was so excited to see it. People saved up money for a year to buy these tickets and waited. You know, it, 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 you felt the preciousness of that and, and you did not want to disappoint. It made everybody bring their best foot forward, step their game up. Um, it was, yeah, it, it like forever. I, I, if I could make a snow globe that captured the, mm. <laughs> those memories and the energy and the feeling of getting to be a part of that show that I, I would. So um, was that an audition for that or did you, were you guys straight off or offer only all <laughs> no, I mean, yes, an offer, but like, um, I had become pretty good friends with Tommy Kale, who was the director, is the director of Hamilton. And we'd already known Lynn. Kobe and I had already known Lynn. And Kobe kind of met him first because Lynn had been hired by Neil Patrick Harris to write music for How I Met Your Mother, like like right after In the Heights had come out on Broadway. So mm. we'd sort of circled each other. And then when we moved to New York, Lynn and his wife, Vanessa, were very generous and took us out to dinner. And so like we were acquaintances and I even got invited to a rehearsal for Hamilton, like before they even went to the, to the public. Wow. And like, they're like, come check it out. We're very excited. We think this is a thing. And then you sit there for 45 minutes, listening to them, like work on a harmony for like eyes on you. History has its eyes on you. And you're like, all right. Yeah, I get it. Good luck guys. (laughs) (laughs) They were right. They were right. History so, had, uh, had its eyes on them. Yes, it did. Wow. So uh, NFL Pylon, it would be uh, reckless and irresponsible for me not to ask you your Super Bowl picks. Um, I I think I'll, I'll give you I'll give you my honest answer second. Okay, but I think the sexy answer and the on- answer that I have to give first as a Rams fan is that we saw the Super Bowl in the season opener. Yes, Bills Rams. I I, I don't think it's not. Likely, I think there there is a very high possibility for that. Hang on a second. Hang on. You don't think it's not likely? I I know. I tried to do as many double negatives as possible so that you can't pull this clip up not in fifteen sure weeks and go means. like you didn't know what you're talking about. Right, and then you go, uh, you know, it's getting awfully late. I have to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's my time, folks. Thank you. Um, I also wouldn't count the the Chiefs out. You know, I could see the Chiefs in there. I could see that 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 once the Bills and Chiefs cross paths, that that there's an upset there, because um, Mahomes is looking strong again. You oh guys. yeah, he's looking real real good. And the Eagles could do a chance. Jalen Hurts. They look very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love. I'd love to be shocked that the Lions go all the way. Wouldn't that be amazing? That. I would yeah. feel so good. I think anybody who watched Hard Knocks also is like in that camp. Like, and they look, they do look great. And Goff yeah. looks great. Goff took the Rams to a Super Bowl. He's a very good quarterback. <laughs> Why did we forget that? Let me ask you a good hypothetical. Okay. okay. So we, we've debated this, uh, this particular thing. Would, if Jared Goff had won the Super Bowl in 2018, do you think he would still be the Rams quarterback? I think if he had won, and still played the way he did afterwards? Not necessarily. Yeah. I think I think McVeigh has his eyes on the ring at all times. I think that that man is is like enviable ambition and focus and strategy and and they will cut ties with players that they really love. When they when they cut Robert Woods at the beginning of the season like it took the air out of my lungs quite honestly yeah yeah <laughs> they are w first 
everything else after that. And that's, you know, that that's their professionals. They are business the him and less when I say they, I, I think of them together. Cause I think that they've really, they look out for each other and they work well together. Um, I saw the play where I, I feel McVeigh just gave up on Jared, which was like, it was like the second to last game of his last season with us. Mm-hmm. And it was a fourth quarter. It was third and long. And Jared ran. He ran out of the pocket. And he was going to take to the first down. And he slid with no one around him a yard short of the oh. first down. Yeah. And I watched McVeigh on the sideline like throw his headset down. And I said, uh-oh. Yep. That's mad at brother. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you worried at all about us this year? I mean, the... Yeah. The Atlanta game was yeah yeah of course yeah, yeah. I mean our offensive yeah. line uh, you know I I I I I have faith in our ability to pivot I I fluctuate hourly on Stafford because apparently he has a philosophy where he'll throw two passes for us and then three passes for the other team it's true it's um, true and but. You cannot say that he does not persevere. You know what I mean? He has like the memory of an ant and he moves forward and he correct. Like it's never over with Stafford till it is truly over. Um, and that perseverance and that sort of discipline is one of our biggest strengths. I feel like both um, Bobby Wagner and Alan Robinson haven't settled, haven't locked in and found yep. their place yet. You know, it's week two and those are big talented players those are big impressive players i was so sad to lose troy honestly yeah like like more than anybody because troy hill is dope troy hill is awesome um we're trying real hard to make cam it and i don't think cam is it he's killing my fantasy team cam acres He's they like that last game like yes he had better stats week two but it literally felt like the team had to be like come on Come on this way. Run this way. <laughs> like I, I he's just he just is not it, it hasn't been proven yet and Daryl Henderson doesn't get the love he deserves. Right. Like that guy, right. That guy's amazing. Like what he's achieved for it he's a, he's like approaching and I think on some stats has surpassed girly level. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure. And he can catch, man. He can catch. He's he's tiptoeing into that Debo Samuel kind of strategy of is he a wide receiver or running back? He's been consistent and strong and fast for us, man. Well, you mentioned offensive line. Yes, I talked to McVeigh yesterday on the show, and oh, cool. one of one of the things that uh, you know he's always it's next man up, and I need to do yeah. a better job and all that stuff. Yeah. And I said, you know, offensive line, and we lost Tremaine Ingram now, uh, and and you know have shuffled that, but it's all about cohesion, and we haven't had a chance to develop that because we're shuffling uh, uh, offensive linemen in and out. Yeah. We were so spoiled with Whitworth, right? I oh, mean, we were yeah. so spoiled with him. Like, mm-hmm. just all-time, instant Hall of Famer, great genetic specimen yep. of, a, of a left left guard, you know, left tackle. Like, um, So it'll be tricky. And, and, like, I really love Matthew Stafford shares with Brian Allen, that same perseverance. Like, I'll see Brian Allen come off the thing, off the line, like off the field limping, like slamming his knee guard that he wears, going like he's constantly <laughs> being broken down, but he steps right back up and he rises up in an impressive way. And Havenstein being a, a captain is exciting and cool. And and hopefully that speaks to how he's, you know, kind of lifting up and 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 leading by example on the team, you know? I I I uh, yeah. 
it's tricky. It, it's something. It's something we work at. And st- something Stafford is great is is ball release. Like he he can operate in that. He's yep. in his thirteenth season, so you don't want to get him see see him banked up too much. Um, I'm not, you know we're not we're not out. And if you'd asked me that same question at halftime of last game, I'd be like, nah, I don't have a worry in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, 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 right. I watched you know the fourth quarter, so it'll be interesting. It's this is why I love football. It is the best ticking clock professional sports game yep. in the world. No I, other one has like a like that consistent ticking clock time bomb down to the final minutes wire. Nobody can compete. You know, basketball's maybe the next closest, but even still, not as consistently as football. How much do you think they're going to miss? Um, continue to miss Von Miller. Yeah, it would have been really nice to make him regret that choice, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really immediately got to go like, yeah, I made the right choice. Yeah, he um, did. He did. I think a lot. I think a lot. And I think that they'll they'll look for, for an outside rusher. You know what I mean? I, I could see them picking somebody up between now and a trade deadline for sure. Um, F them picks. Know. Yeah, F them picks. F them picks. But we need those trades. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, uh, well, listen, the show is great. It's called NFL Pylon. It streams every Wednesday on uh, Prime Video. And don't forget, Thursday Night Football is on Prime Video. That's where all of us football fans now go on Thursday night. Uh, tonight, it's Stellars versus the Cleveland Browns. Next week, great game. Dolphins versus Bengals. Tua versus yes. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow needs that, too. Um, hey, it has been a lot of fun, Turn. Thanks a lot for doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you making the time. There you have it. There is uh, Taryn Killam. The show is really fun. If you're a football, if, here's what's tricky about the show. So I'm a huge football fan, Sue. Mm-hmm. And I watch SportsCenter nonstop. NFL Today, SportsCenter, uh, Max Kellerman does this just in. All leading up to the show, I watch it. And by the time you get to Wednesday, we have talked about all the games from last week We've broken him down. Stephen A. Smith has talked. Everybody's done. So this is kind of like last take on the last week, which can be tricky, but they found a funny way to do it. And it makes it worth it to sort of cap off the week that way. Absolutely. And, you know, I could watch him doing anything. He is so funny and entertaining and and he knows his stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like a comedian just trying to be funny about something that he kind of knows something about. Like he's a true fan and and he he knows the game. Yeah. So um before we wrap up here, I want to let everybody know that if you are on Twitter uh and you go to the communities button on your page and search culture pop, we've got a brand new community that we launched. And we're only gonna we're we'll talk about movies and TV and stuff about uh this show. Um I think like yesterday I made a bold prediction that even without seeing the movie, Brendan Fraser is gonna win Best Actor uh for that movie The Whale, which I hear unbelievable things about. But it's gonna be a good place to to bring your takes about movie uh, movies and TV. And uh I will answer questions about House of the Dragon. Sue will not. I will not. No, Sue will not. Don't even ask. Don't even ask. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. And don't forget, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening to the Culture Pop Podcast, and we will see you next time.